0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
2: Hello. Hello. Welcome, everyone. Hi, everybody.
1: Whoever's listening, hello. Um, Welcome to... What are we calling this the fox den film club
2: fox den film club
1: fox den yeah. film club welcome everybody um i'm jake i'm mitch and <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> shit this is hard oh no it's not too bad so we decided to come together and start a film podcast one because it's still covid despite all this time correct and, and two we both really enjoy art house cinema and mm-hmm. i guess all films for that matter um jake though you've been listening or not listening you've been watching films a lot longer than i have um, yes yeah when you want to talk about that a little bit
1: yeah um so i would say you know i feel like everybody i mean i i myself am a filmmaker um i live in los angeles i work in the marketing side of the industry right now but hoping to hop over laterally. But, um, yeah, I feel like everybody I know involved in filmmaking kind of has, you know, their origin story, their kind of awakening aha type moment where they mm-hmm. kind of really started getting into movies. Um, I remember it was my freshman year of high school when I kind of, you know, I had seen fucking movies, you know what I mean? But I kind of started to seek out more, you know, things I hadn't heard of things off the beaten path, you know, stuff that...
2: When you found the true appreciation yeah, for yeah.
1: yeah, and I remember in particular, um, I watched A Clockwork Orange. Um, I was like 13 or 14 years old. I watched it explicitly because um, my dad told me not to. And <laughs> when I watched it, I kind of had this big eureka-type moment where I realized, like, oh my God, like, somebody... Not even somebody, but lots of people are behind that camera right now, you know, trying to they're behind the camera, figuring out what they want. Do like this is somebody's vision. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no, I've been a big movie buff ever since uh, my freshman year of high school. And I've been in a filmmaking since shortly thereafter. Um, although I will say, Mitchell, you've got me fucking beat on Letterboxd right now. It's like, it's January 19th and you've watched like 50 fucking movies so
2: far. Yeah, my goal this year is to watch 600 films. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Because I, uh, like
1: I was just, you know, I'm on Letterboxd, you know, way too much. But uh, I feel like every time I refresh it, I see you watch something new. And what really, uh, what really cracked me up was uh january 14th in particular i'm looking at it now yeah. um, so on january 14th you watched ant-man and the wasp and then because it's only in theaters right now you must have i assumed gone out to the theater to see scream
2: and yeah, then after did,
1: yeah. after getting back from seeing oh is that the puppy
2: <laughs> yeah it's the dog oh and the cat <laughs> What are they fighting? Oh, I guess. They're playing. <laughs> Worst um, time. <laughs> so, uh, the 14th, you
1: watched <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp, and then you went out to the movies and saw Scream. Then, Which was
2: amazing, by the way. Have you seen that yet?
1: Not yet, but I'm hearing really good things. The dudes oh who directed so it did uh, Ready or Not a little while ago that I really dug. Um, cool. But So, yeah, on the 14th, uh, you saw Scream. And then you got home from the movies after already having watched two movies and decided, I'm gonna watch Infinity War. I'm gonna watch this three hour long movie after getting back from the movies, which you know, okay, I well, fuck there's, with there's that. I respect. That. No, but uh. then then after watching in, the entirety of Infinity War, after going to the movies and seeing Scream, before which you already watched Ant Man the Wasp, you decided, hmm, I'm gonna watch In the Mood for Love. <laughs> You know, some light viewing to kind of wash down the previous nine hours with.
2: Yeah, well, I figure if I'm trying to hit 600, if I watch four films on the weekends, I can really like save myself time on the weekdays. The other thing, too, is my girlfriend, Katie, who's also studied film and wants to be a filmmaker. It's just that's kind of all we do on the weekends is just watch movies. So. Um, but we didn't, we watched Infinity War before going to see Scream, but it had like 30 minutes left. So we ended it at a good point to pause it. So I it wasn't it. as hectic. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but still, that's, that's a lot of movie <laughs> in a very yeah, short is. amount of time. My, uh, my friend Caitlin, who I was at the movies with her when I saw this, um, cause she does like a lot of, you know, those like one film a day challenge type things, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, she's doing one film a day. And, you know, she's kind of making fun of me because, you know, it was like the 17 or it was the 14. She was at 14. I was probably at like seven at that point because um, I just started a new job. So I didn't have any time. And I was like, yeah, well, Mitchell's got both of us beat. He's at like fucking like 30 something. And then, yeah, yeah just, just that day
2: of the 14th in particular had me cracking up. <laughs> I guess jumping into the show, the purpose of this podcast is going to... We're probably going to do a couple different series, maybe uh, do podcasts from new movies that come out this year. Um, but our first series that we came up with is kind of like trying to suggest a film for any situation. Um,
1: yeah, so show yeah. me a film that blank you know, show me a film that makes you happy, show me a film that makes you sad, but a little bit more in depth than that. So, um, since Mitchell and I, uh, backstory, we grew up together. We lived next door to each other since we were what, like five years old.
2: Yeah. I was thinking about that the (laughs) other day. I think I met you when I was like five or six, which is crazy. Yeah.
1: So I must've been like four (laughs) in that case. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, because we lived together, we were inseparable for so long. Um, he suggested, uh, show me a film that you wish you saw in high school. And I thought that was a really, really interesting idea because, you know, there's a there's a lot of movies that I've seen now that it, I mean, you know, that's just kind of life. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty Like if I could have known then what I know now and, you know, movies are a big part of the little the little small amount of knowledge I do have. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you want to talk about the movie you wish you saw in high school?
2: Yeah, I'll get into that. Um, so I selected Being John Malkovich, Woo! which, yeah, is an amazing film um, directed by Spike Jones. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. Great. I mean, oh man, so many great films that he's made in the past, like her adaptation. Mm-hmm. He's not um, dead. He just seemed to have disappeared off the planet. That's when I said <laughs> R.I.P. He's
1: fine, everybody. I was kind of confused by that, too. <laughs> anytime you mention someone by name I'm just gonna be like ah may they rest in peace
2: <laughs> um but yeah being John Malkovich is a film I really really wish that I saw in high school I mean so I wanted to choose a prompt that um could apply to really anybody who is in high school so I think the reason I chose this because is cause it's because a lot of people have hold on my dog my cat just got <laughs> onto the table <laughs> We can cut this out in post. We're good. Oh my gosh, Dewey! <laughs> He's trying to murder the cat. Okay, I I just heard the. <laughs> All
1: right,
2: cool. Anyways, um, <laughs> so yeah, saying... I wanted to choose a film that would apply for anybody who is um who's in high school, and so I wanted to choose something that you know would create a kind of like an advice movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, something that, you know, kind of ubiquitous in that sense. Yeah, really ubiquitous movie. So I just felt like a lot of times people are in high school and they're young still, and they don't really know what they want to do or what they're good at and they sometimes wish they were somebody else. And so mm. what better film than that than being John Malkovich? I've been in that situation <laughs> a few times where I'm like, damn, I wish I could, Uh, I wish I was good at this or I wish I could be this person. Um, It's definitely a negative thought to have. And this Mm -hmm. film kind of shows that it's important to be yourself. Um, And so I wanted to get into it a little bit on that aspect. Um, Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, you know, I totally, totally feel what you're saying. It's definitely, you know, it's a pretty easy trap to fall into, you know, when you're jealous of something or, you know, you're upset about, You know, something that somebody else has that you yourself don't, you know, it's very easy to fall into that trap of like, oh, I wish I was that person. And, you know, that's okay. But, you know, giving up yourself is obviously never worth it.
2: No, for real. So (laughs) I guess I'll quickly read the letterbox description just so people can get a little aspect of what the film is about. Um, one day at work, unsuccessful puppeteer Craig finds a portal into the head of actor John Malkovich. The portal soon becomes a passion for anybody who enters its mad and controlling world of overtaking another human body, which is just, that's a heavy, I mean, so Jake and I were texting before this and he was like, let's, let's go over your movie first because my movie's a little darker.
1: It's funny to call John Malkovich, being John Malkovich, lighthearted by comparison (laughs) but yeah no i mean it's obviously it's an interesting movie it's you know it's written by charlie kaufman so you know if you've ever Mm -hmm. seen adaptation you've ever seen eternal sunshine of the spotless mind um if you saw i'm thinking of anything or i'm thinking of ending things uh, from last year unless that was 2019 i don't have a concept of fucking time anymore. (laughs) who knows when that movie came out um, the COVID era yeah it could have been yesterday but um yeah no you know that his movies are very very unique in you know a similar sense to Wes Anderson where it's just like the very fabric of the universe that they take place in um is just unlike anything you've seen just the smallest touches are just so heavily stylized and I mean you know watching this movie from the first 10 minutes in you know all of this all of these shenanigans take place on the seventh and a half floor of a building <laughs> and literally they have to shove a crowbar in the elevator to get it to stop between the seventh and eighth floors Good. and the ceiling's all low so everybody's just walking down this like corporate hellscape that has like three foot
2: tall ceilings and what um, i love about it is it's not even really questioned by anybody else except for the main actor um Craig or John Kuzak played uh, playing Craig. So Craig Schwartz, <laughs> Craig Schwartz, he's the only person who's like, "What is going on here?" <laughs> yeah, and, I mean that's just good
1: comedy too. To kind of like you know have everybody else be deadpan about it, but the character we're experiencing it through is kind of just like, "Hold the fuck on." Um, but yeah, no, it's a it's a very funny movie. You know, kind of I definitely caught like a darker comedy, um, mm-hmm. and. You know it definitely touches on those themes of you know wanting to be someone else um in exchange for you know giving up the weaknesses that you have in yourself but or 200 it bucks yeah. what's that or 200 dollars or 200 bucks <laughs> <laughs> for 200 bucks yeah that's how and much they charge to time. go into the portal to become john malkovich <laughs> and you know it's funny because you know there's a movie that came out uh in 2020 um it's tied for the second favorite of my year. Um, it's called possessor and it's basically if John Mal- being John Malkovich was a horror movie. Um, it's about uh, an organization of spies and they implant their agents into another person's consciousness to get close to high profile targets and take them out. Cause you know, it's much easier to, you know, kill a president, for example, if, you're that president's daughter, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, and it's a fucking horrific movie. It's super brutal. It's definitely, you know, on the horror thriller spectrum of things. But it does, you know, kind of ask those same questions about, like, if you could actually become someone else, like literally actually do it, you know, what would the implications of that be? But being John Malkovich, I don't know, it just kind of has that, you know, comedic Uh, air to it bark Um, (laughs) (laughs) it just kind of you know it has that comedicness to it that you know doesn't detract from the subject matter at hand it doesn't make it feel any less watered down or any more watered down i should say um you know it's able to you know kind of help you stomach a you know a little bit less of a easy watching type film
2: yeah and spike jones directing this is perfect because I mean, obviously he's made a lot of great music videos aside from like feature films. And so a lot of the time it's a lot of things that aren't explained. They're just shown, which is just so important in films. Um, Like the seven and a half floor. It's not explained why, like it is in a video later on, but you know, it's, the, even the technology behind how you could like the portal science doesn't have any answers at all involved with it. They just show it, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's they like don't. This just exists. It's like yeah,
1: <laughs> they don't. Yeah, they don't uh, beat you over the head with any sort of exposition that some movie franchises tend to do now. But let's not name exactly. names. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so, if you had seen this in high school. And I definitely want to talk about if I had seen it in high school because Mm -hmm. I kind of did technically. But I'm curious, had you seen this in high school,
2: how do you think you would have reacted? Um, You know, I I also wanted to talk about like the passionate side to it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, Craig is just extremely passionate about what he does. And if he had just put in the work to keep pushing that craft and trying new things and things like that, he would have eventually gotten out of it. I think that's kind of part of one of the big like morals or lessons from this film is like now he lost. I mean, at the end, he he goes through a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. loses a lot of things. Whereas if he just stuck to who he was, he was already in a happy relationship. um, He would have been fine. So I guess it just would have given me more determination, I guess, and hope um -hmm. and just to keep doing what i'm doing you know yeah and i think that i found other means of doing that um but this would have also just been another piece in that in that holster you know
1: yeah you know kind of a little wake-up call to not take everything for granted you know (laughs) exactly um do you have any favorite shots or
2: scenes from the film
1: oh man i mean you know the so this is getting a little little deep into the movie so uh spoilers ahead um but uh if if we depending on where we put this maybe we'll put like a little link to jump past the spoilers but there's one scene in particular where john malkovich himself goes inside of the portal that makes you john malkovich and you know just everybody and he ends up in this restaurant every single person in that restaurant is also john malkovich and every word they say is Malkovich, 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 Malkovich,
2: Malkovich. Malkovich. And the, the menu at the yeah, restaurant, the, too. The menu's all
1: Malkovich. <laughs> There's a lady ordering dinner. She's like, Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. Um, and, yeah, no, I think, you know, you mentioned Spike Jones's music videos before that. I think it definitely comes from a place of like that where just, you know, kind of having these moments that kind of just stand alone, you know. Well, of course, they're in service of the film The larger film at hand you know they're just kind of like little almost like skits in a way you know the film feels very like every scene almost kind of feels like a little vignette that's entertaining to watch on its own and you know i think that's definitely one of the things that makes this an interesting movie
2: yeah i completely agree with that i mean going back to why i feel like this is important for anyone in high school to see i mean everyone in line if you look at pay attention to the characters in line waiting to go into john malkovich like they all just look so pathetic and sad and hopeless Mm -hmm. um and also even the main actor uh even main character i mean craig everyone kind of misinterprets him a lot of the times and even john malkovich is misinterpreted a lot in the film like they keep saying like aren't you a guy who he played a jewel thief, and he's like, "No, yeah. I didn't." <laughs> You're in that jewel thief movie, right? He's like, "No, I wasn't in that." But then they'll try and argue with him, like,
1: "No, I think you were."
2: <laughs> exactly. I mean, so there's a lot of even, even Malkovich himself. He's like going to go on. I mean, we haven't even talked about um, Catherine Keener, who plays Maxine. Um, oh, she's so good in that movie, <laughs> man. She's so uh, good. Yeah, I mean, even Malkovich himself isn't really having much success in his career, in the movie at least. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I don't want to give any spoilers, but he does, as people start to become him and live in his body, he starts to become more successful on the outside, but it's not actually him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I could break it down so many ways, but... <laughs> it's just such a such an interesting film and it's such an interesting concept to think about even the audio and the uh, visual from when they're in john malkovich's body is insane it's like it's a perfect little muffling
1: yeah Um, yeah like it's it's filmed almost as if like you're physically inside of his head like peeking out one of his eye holes you know mm -hmm. um yeah no i mean the production design that movie is fantastic i mean obviously <laughs> you know you get a charlie kaufman script you kind of have to be on your a game when you're designing a set like that but um yeah no even john malkovich's apartment you know it's kind of, it kind of plays into that character that people see john malkovich as which is kind of just like the stereotypical celebrity type actor um mm-hmm. you know he has just kind of like this like this minimalist abstract art in his apartment and kind of just all this bougie Nonsense, um and so it you know it, on the surface, it looks superficial, but you know obviously there's a lot more going on under the surface, and you know I think that's kind of what you take away from a movie like that,
2: yeah, yeah, I mean, even the puppets are all him, like they're <laughs> all Malkovich, which is just another <laughs> layer to this where it's not Malkovich, the puppets are all Craig, um so like Craig is controlling these puppets. That look like him and they're doing their own stories and like he meets catherine uh he meets her character and immediately creates a puppet that looks just like her mm-hmm. and does like puppet role play um, <laughs> <laughs> sexy public role play so there's a lot of like fantasization or trying to like escape his current life and mm-hmm. it's just a very deep deep film and very dark as well yeah and
1: you know obviously had I well what I was gonna say actually was, you know, I technically did see this in high school. Um I did watch it forever ago. Um I mean at this point before I had rewatched it uh upon your recommendation. I didn't remember a single thing from it. But yeah. I did watch it in high school and, you know, it's kind of it's a movie I went after purely because I was like, oh I wanna watch something you know, I want to watch something trippy. I want to watch something (laughs) weird. You know what I mean? Like I just kind of, you know, you know, I had recently discovered weed and wanted to watch something cool. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't really approach it as anything other than like, oh, let me see this weird movie. I wasn't really, you know, anticipating being receptive to anything that deep. So, you know, having seen it now, um, you know, it's definitely a film that I feel like could, resonate very deeply with people in high school and you know kind of would have resonated with me very deeply in high school had i been paying attention
2: i guess <laughs> you know what i mean yeah no i think that that's definitely why i chose this one i wanted something that would appeal i think it wanted something that would work for me and then also work for other people um mm-hmm. yeah and i also thought it was interesting just some of the like fun facts from the film just that malkovich really didn't want to do the film at first it took him almost five years after reading the script for oh, Charlie really? and Spike to convince him to come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he oh, kept saying so he wanted
2: to produce it or direct it, um, and he wanted a different actor. Sorry, here we might need a cut because of the dog and the cat. Uh, no! It's a fucking battle going on. I don't know why he's being such a dick. Go kennel! Kennel in! Kennel. <laughs> kennelin. <laughs> <laughs> okay back but yeah he initially didn't want to do the film he wanted to direct it and do a different actor and he would just, he would ask charlie he's like can not it be a different actor that they're going inside of and charlie was hard on it He was like no it has to be you <laughs> i mean
1: it's just it's kind of one of those intangible things it's just john malkovich is perfect for it yeah like he's this hugely important prolific actor that but people also don't really know who he is like like you do but you don't he's just kind of like this perfect enigma in that sense he's this perfect middle ground between being like not famous at all and being you know brad pitt um Mm -hmm. so yeah and i mean you know the fact that the movie is shot in what 2001 2002 um you know it's also it's very much so a time capsule of that era Um, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you get like a lot of scenes once John Malkovich gets famous within the movie. um, And you know, you get little cameos from Brad Pitt and shit like that. (laughs) And I mean, you know, just the pure fact that Cameron Diaz is in it, you know what I mean? Um, Yeah. I actually
2: saw Catherine Keener was the one who brought in Cameron Diaz for the film and they didn't want her at first to play Lottie. And then they really, it took a lot of um, like pushing. They thought she was too cute or too, like too flirty of a person.
1: Um, no, but once she did shit. a lot of like uh, reading. That's so um, funny. Cause I was going to say the casting of this movie is fucking incredible. Yeah. I mean, you know, John Cusack, obviously he does a good job at just looking, you know, despicable like he does but like you know Catherine Keenery and like she's you know she's that perfect kind of like I mean her uh her character is very much so a caricature of like you know attractive woman at office but you know she brings depth to it and she brings Mm -hmm. like you know a dimension to it other than that
2: The very weird love triangle, which is more of a love square. (laughs) It's a love
1: Dodecahedron. (laughs) Um and but yeah, no, Cameron Diaz is perfect in it because it's like, you know, it's just one of those uncanny things that you never see. It's like you never see this like fantastic, iconic actress who's, you know, a very attractive woman just get dressed up like in these weird rags and have her hair just look all frizzy and gross like she got struck mm-hmm. by lightning like you know it's just it's just kind of one of those unique um aspects of the whole production design of the whole visuals of the movie as a whole um i mean yeah no the casting that movie's fucking perfect
2: well i guess let's get into the casting of uh of your movie let's, oh, let's talk about yours Do you
1: yeah want to so um yeah it, it's it's very interesting um cuz earlier in this episode uh, when you said that you picked being John Malkovich because you kind of wanted a universally, you know, a universal choice that could, you know, really help out anyone who watches it in high school. I kind of went the opposite route and I chose a very, a very specific film that very specifically I wished I saw in high school um, mm-hmm. for my very specific situation I was in. And I chose never, rarely, sometimes, always. Uh, It's from 2020. It was directed by Eliza Hittman. uh, Stars Sydney Flanagan and Talia Ryder. Um, Talia Ryder's gone on to do some more acting. She's in the new West Side Story, the Spielberg one. But uh, at the time, it was both of their first acting gigs. And um, you know, I think that's a huge talent of Eliza Hittman's is being able to, you know, take these quote unquote real people and you know figure out a way to you know make their acting performances come across without losing that
2: realness that rawness to them um, yeah but the yeah performances so, were insane I, like when i watched it i had no idea it was their first time for both oh games.
1: it's fucking it's fucking ridiculous it doesn't even feel like acting it, like you don't <laughs> yeah. watch the scene from that movie and go wow that was a good performance it just goes <laughs> you just, just you're just like wow i just watched someone actually fucking cry you know that what was I mean? a great documentary yeah <laughs> man man they did really well on this hidden camera tv show that they're doing now <laughs> no but for real that's what it feels like i mean yeah. you know all the scenes you know they're they feel like they're shot from the hip i don't know exactly how much um you know it, it definitely has like a very run-and-gun type style so you know if they really didn't prep too much beforehand just kind of found the right spots in new york and went okay go it would have totally made sense to me um mm-hmm. and again that's just a huge testament to eliza Hittman. um she had a movie in 2017 called beach rats that you know it feels a little bit more formal than never rarely but in terms of the filmmaking but you know in terms of its soul it still feels just you know it's this whole other level of i mean reality for lack of a better word but um so the reason i chose this movie um is because it's about a 17-year-old girl who lives in rural Pennsylvania and she wants to get an abortion. Um, But because of how far along she is in, once she decides she wants one, she has to travel all the way to New York City um, on her own along with her best friend to try and get one. And the movie kind of follows her through, you know, all the leaps and hurdles and boundaries and obstacles that lay in her way from everything from You know, buying a bus ticket with money they had to steal from the supermarket they work at to, you know, trying to get into a Planned Parenthood when there's a crowd of Christian protesters outside. Yeah. So the reason I chose this movie was because, you know, like I said, me and Mitchell grew up together Um, in high school. He went to our town's public high school, whereas my parents sent me to a Catholic school. And boy, oh boy, do I have tales. (laughs) from said catholic school um yeah no it was just kind of like a conservative nightmare honestly and you know whenever i tell some of my horror stories about it to people like it they're just they're always so amazed that they happened like 2015 you know if it's something that happened my senior year it's just it's just they're it's amazing that these institutions that you know take in teenagers in this day and age still operate the way they do but so Obviously, being in a Catholic school, um, I'm surrounded by lots and lots and lots of... Oh, no, your mic's doing a thing again.
2: Oh, no, oh, really? Wait, 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 wait. It might be the fan. Yeah.
1: Okay, it's over. It's over. It adjusted. Oh, good. Woo. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> woo, all right, we can just keep this going, cut this out and post. Yeah. All right, so um, anyway, as I was saying... Um, So, yeah, being in a Catholic school, you're obviously surrounded by a lot of uh, pro-lifers. And um, personally, I'm very much so pro-choice. Actually, hold on. I'm going to (laughs) burp. Okay. Anyway, um, I'm just going to restart that whole sentence. So so the fact, you know, I went to a Catholic school. Obviously, I'm surrounded by a lot of pro-life people, a lot of pro-lifers during a very formative time in my youth. And, you know, it was tough for me to, you know, kind of be in an institution where, you know, opinions like the ones I had were, you know, just told were wrong as opposed to, you know, considered and, you know, talked about and discussed and stuff like that. It was just, you know, you would we would have theology classes where we would have tests and it would be like, you know, what do we believe about abortion? And the correct answer, the one that you would only get points on the test for if you circled would be pro-life, pro-life, pro-life. That is
2: crazy. Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah, no, it was fucking nuts. So, you know, I feel like having seen this movie, you know, it definitely would have equipped me a lot better to be able to kind of handle those types of people and to kind of, you know, elaborate on, you know, why the particular issue of abortion, why I believe you know, in being pro-choice and all that. But in addition to that, um, it also, you know, would have made a really important connection that I think, you know, everybody kind of has to make on their own is that, you know, just abortion is a domino effect um, in both directions, you know, uh, access to it and support for it and just kindness along that path is a domino effect towards, you know, just greater solidarity and greater understanding of the things that women go through that, you know, aren't apparent to men, that have to be taught to men if you're lucky enough to even encounter something like that. And, you know, it goes the opposite way, too, where it's like when you don't allow it, when you kind of don't respect women's autonomy and their bodies and their choices, it kind of leads to more and more and more and more, exponentially more, you know, control yeah these people um and so you know well that issue obviously is one that's extremely important to me um bring back uh how I'm a filmmaker um my sophomore year of college I wrote a screenplay um it was called Verbatim and um it was about a girl who gets sexually assaulted and kind of the things that she has to go through afterwards And so, you know, basically a very, very similar thing to Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, where it's just kind of this injustice happened, and we follow through the widespreading, but also very nuanced, immediate reactions that she has to go through. And what I appreciate about Never Rarely, Sometimes Always is, you know, not only is the filmmaking fucking perfect, um, and I mean, we'll talk about that in a second. But yeah. you know, it, it's just it—it it tells the story it tells with such subtlety that it doesn't really—it won't turn a viewer away. Um, because you know the way I approach verbatim, uh, is a different way than I would approach it now. Oh where, yeah, you know yeah. I, uh, you know, I wanted it to be this kind of in-your-face, visceral you know make you feel bad type of situation um but you know audience members who are on the fence or who don't understand situations like these and are looking to understand them you know you don't want to teach them that the only bad guys out there are these big you know laughably evil you know bad guy type characters it's the problems lie in you know, small things as small as, you know, the wording that we use when we treat people in these situations, the, Mm -hmm. you know, and the wording that we use when we treat people in different types of situations, but that translate over into situations like underage women needing to get abortions. So, yeah, no, I just, I really admire the subtlety of the movie. And I think that's something you definitely would have noticed after having watched Being John Malkovich, uh
2: right beforehand (laughs) yeah yeah it definitely has the subtlety i mean i kind of wanted to just talk about going back to the acting again like the body language from autumn is so good like she's fidgeting and looking away and like looking in the distance and like kind of nervous but also bold at times
1: yeah Uh, yeah no she's she's got those dimensions and You know, I I mean, there's that one scene in particular. uh, I I think we can probably talk about it without spoiling anything, but like, Mm -hmm. where her and Skylar, they're just holding on to each other by their pinkies. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that shit blew me away. I remember specifically seeing that in the theater and like for whatever reason, I had the urge to like throw my hands up like I was watching a fucking football game and I had to voluntarily be like, all right, you can't cheer. This isn't a fucking sport. Um, but it's just, you know, it's so crazy the amount that Eliza Hitman is able to pull off with so little while still keeping it, you know, engaging and, you know, more than that fucking. What's the word I'm looking for? Fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. you know,
2: she's able to do so much with so little. What I find really interesting is like she's kind of. Her dad is first off just a huge asshole. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Purposely a douche, like nicer to the dog than her. Mm -hmm. Um, She's at the first doctor she visits, or I guess uh, OBGYN, and they play like the video talking about anti abortion, Mm -hmm. and it's like spoken by a man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And
1: that's the type of shit I watched in high school. I watched videos, you know, very similar to that. Like, hey, like talking about abortion in only this one particular aspect, because you know, there's, there's a lot that abortion is and you know, yeah, so people don't under they, they think it's just killing babies and that's it. It's like, well, you're missing
2: 95% of the other part. Yeah. And so what I found was interesting is like autumn had to go through this. Like she kind of reaches this threshold where she just says, fuck it. She pierces her nose. Mm-hmm. Um, they do something pretty illegal for a second before leaving and then um she kind of crosses that threshold and becomes a much more bold character uh, and she doesn't have the option to malkovich which is like one of the big connections i saw um like she is going through this and she's not like running away from anything whereas um craig, i gotcha craig schwartz is just like giving up he also is like having issues and he doesn't reach that point until he is someone else you know
1: I got you. So, yeah, you know, I didn't I didn't even think about it like that. And, you know, I was wondering, coming into this, what... Because uh, you, you had told me you saw a lot of parallels, and I, I was fucking racking my drain <laughs> trying to figure out what the fuck those could possibly be because these movies do seem like absolute opposites. But, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why it's so easy to fall in love with Autumn because... You know it's not that she's just going through all these terrible terrible things and then you just get to see her cry over and over again Mm -hmm. it's kind of how you get to see you know these small victories even within the defeats and you know in situations like that where like you know she decides just you know just pierce her nose and she does it entirely on her own i think for her that's you know that's a huge moment of self-determination of Mm -hmm. self-reliance of independence um and you get it through just such a little, such a simple, but such a realistic scene too. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just so, it's so, it's so textural the way she does it. She, you know, she has like a little safety pin and she turns on the, the stove and you hear it, <laughs> you hear it click. And then she grabs some ice cubes and you can hear the ice cubes bouncing around. She puts one on her nose and then, you know, to get it all numb, then she wipes it off. It's just, you know, the texture And the sensuality of that scene it's just it's so there's so much there yet there's so little there and i'm just fucking in awe of how they're able to pull it off but yeah and even the
2: cinematography and the grading and stuff i mean there are so many moments where autumn is kind of like going through those stages where she's overcoming something or like figuring out how to be more independent and so the Mm -hmm. grading is a lot lighter and then when there are a lot of moments where it gets gloomy and sad and it goes back and forth a few times. I've seen, I took some notes where I thought that happened. Um, Mm -hmm. so when they're like first leaving to get on the bus, it's really, really bright and like seems so positive, but then they get into New York city for the first time and it's anxiety inducing. There's noises. There's, it's a lot Mm -hmm. darker shots. Yeah, Um, exactly.
1: And you know, as someone who is not a fan of New York, um, I mean, I like visiting, but I would never, ever want to live there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think it captures a lot about the city that can be intimidating and even fucking terrifying. Um, And, you know, imagine somebody from rural Pennsylvania having to travel to New York City on her own via bus and then not have anywhere to stay for two nights. Like, you know, it just it captures that, you know, through, you know, just the subtleties, like you said, of the grading and of the cinematography which is fucking gorgeous i mean (laughs) jeez i mean it uh yeah no this movie this movie is one of the few movies that i would go out on a limb and say is perfect Mm -hmm.
2: like it's fucking perfect (laughs) the uh i was gonna say we get to see two performances by autumn in this film um at two different points one is at the very beginning and so Uh, it is interesting the differences between both performances oh like when
1: she's singing yeah 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 and yeah no i think it's i mean you know a talent show is a fucking great way to start a movie just because you know there's so many different relationship dynamics at play there because you know obviously this is a passionate person who has this thing that's very important to her and she wants to share it but it's in front of other people and you know other people are going to watch and cheer her on other people are going to laugh and call her a slut while she's performing so
2: Exactly I and mean, then you got Being John Malkovich which also opens with a performance but it's no one is watching
1: Oh it's shit just him
2: and it's got this fake audio clapping in the background Oh shit yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't think about that Damn
1: <laughs> Yeah so um, but I mean yeah for both those characters Craig and uh and Autumn you know performing is kind of that thing that's theirs and it kind of makes them who they are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, that's why Craig becomes so successful at quote unquote puppeteering John Malkovich. And yeah. why I think Autumn is able to co- overcome one of the roughest hurdles of the movies when she's uh when she's at karaoke with uh Skylar and that other fuckwad whatever I don't know what his name is. <laughs> um I do have it written down Jasper. Jet his name's fucking jasper
2: yes his name in the film is jasper (laughs) oh
1: man that's such a perfect name for (laughs) him he looks like a fucking jasper i mean if your name's jasper and you're listening
2: don't worry you're probably doing great in life because the bar is not too too high
1: Um, oh my gosh
2: and the pressure he puts on um skylar is so messed up like constantly trying to pull her away from autumn mm -hmm. and skylar is such a she does kind of slip away for a minute but then you get some great scenes where they kind of come back together but yeah
1: and again it's kind of like what i said before like when i was writing verbatim i wanted to tackle it in the absolute opposite way where i wanted to make the antagonizing forces as bombastically evil as possible Mm -hmm. you know to kind of portray the full extent of how shitty these situations are but You know, I think that's just it's too didactic when you're trying to educate somebody about a topic like that, because, you know, you're going to you're going to say like, oh, well, I'm not like an evil fucking mastermind who lives in a (laughs) lair on a cliff. I'm not the problem. Whereas this movie kind of takes, you know, like a regular interaction with regular things said in very grounded, like regular language and kind of exposes, you know, where in the problems lie in a way that, you know, you can analyze even yourself or people, you know, and kind of see where that comes into play in your life. So, you know, that's definitely something, you know, this this is a movie I wish I saw in high school just because I would have approached not only these types of situations in my life, but just my own filmmaking so much differently. I think Never really yeah. Sometimes always just makes it come across so much better and so much more powerful because of that subtlety that it has.
2: Yeah, so I was saying, like, even though it is hyper specific to you from a filmmaking standpoint, I think also from just any any young female in school or really anybody for that matter, it does have moments that could is your dog God playing fucking beer pong in the background. <laughs> He's playing something. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, buddy. It does have these moments that other people could learn from, or, or definitely like gain value from after seeing this film.
1: Yeah. And exactly. What I really
2: wish is that, well, one, I wish they traveled later in the film. Someone needs to teach these <laughs> ladies how to travel. Later.
1: You know, I did think about that at one point. I was like, dude, like like what the fuck are you bringing just bring like a backpack each but yeah. you know obviously it's better filmmaking when they have this physically heavy large object that they're
2: physically oh carrying
1: around as well as figuratively but a That's i was
2: just gonna say that the emotional <laughs> baggage yeah. they're literally carrying that baggage but yeah. it's actually mostly the time it's skylar who's carrying it yeah which makes sense because she's kind of the protective um uh, mm-hmm. older cousin who's just kind of making sure that autumn is okay
1: oh yeah and you know one of my favorite moments of the film the one of my favorite moments of every character as well um is when they're in the subway station i think right after she gets the first half of the procedure done and obviously you know she's in no fucking skip to my loo type mood after that um, yeah and skylar's kind of asking her like do you want me to call your mom do you want me to call my mom like how can i help and Autumn just says, fuck off. And she does, she doesn't like take it personally. She just, you know, fucks off and goes and sits somewhere else and, you know, just kind of lets her be. And, you know, I think that that's a, that's a very, very, you know, I think it takes a very, very deep level of understanding with someone in your life to understand, like, you know, they might tell you to fuck off at some point, And there's a difference between you're being an asshole and you need to fuck off and hey i just need some space you know being able to decipher that in a person you have to have a very very deep level of understanding with them yeah you know i they absolutely do and i think that's just like the most genius way of showing that
2: for real i think there's one scene in particular that we both definitely need to break into more let's do it (laughs) I think you know what I'm talking about.
1: Uh, is it the never, rarely, sometimes, always scene?
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, like we've been saying about every other fucking scene in this movie, it's just the filmmaking of it is perfect. It's it's fucking raw. Yeah. yeah. It's you know, it's like it's a long take, but it's not like a oh look at me, look how cool the filmmaker I am type long take. It's not you know some wannabe boogie nights opening type long take. It's no. just you know think about it like what the fuck else should you be showing in that scene nothing it's just that scene is all on autumn it's all on the minutia of her facial expressions and you know the darting back and forth between life paths essentially that you can see happening in everything from her eyes to her fucking lip quivering to her nostrils flaring it's just you know god yeah it's so moving and again it, and it's probably the most minimalist part of the film because, you know, she's not even sitting in front of anything that interesting to look at. It's just a blank, like, baby blue wall, which yeah. is baby blue being the color of the wall might be on purpose there now that I think about it. It's, um, it's minimalist,
2: but it's going to be the scene I think I remember the longest. Oh, absolutely. One I, of them, at least.
1: Because yeah. it's just kind of, I mean, you know, obviously it's this big catalytic catalytic moment in the movie but it's kind of the whole thing distilled down to you know just a couple minutes and a couple seconds is like this girl is in the shitty situation to begin with and it's all being brought in the surface and laid out in front of her and analyzed and overanalyzed and she's in a position where she's trying to do something about it but it doesn't feel like she has any of the power it's just kind of it's the whole movie kind of condensed down into like this one little shot, shot in the sense of like with a needle that you just kind of get stabbed with. And, you know, I think that's definitely why it's so, so memorable because it's just, it's, it just hits you so hard, but you get it. Like as soon as that scene over is like the rest of the movie, you, you just kind of understand that much better because after that scene, you're just like, okay, now I get it. I truly get it whether it's autumn or whether it's somebody in real life going through the same thing or whether yeah. it's somebody in real life going through something completely different. You know what I mean? It's just, you get it
2: at that point for real. I took notes while I was watching both films and I just wrote down when I was watching it, I wrote down um, like I can only hold my breath so long for that, yeah. like one scene. Cause it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it really is such a long take and it's like, there's no music. It's, and it's like, it kind of, I don't know, Actually, I'd have to look, watch it again, but I can't remember if it slowly is panning in on Autumn's face or not, but it's just like so fucking intense.
1: If it does zoom, it's like
2: minimal. Yeah, yeah
1: it's like 5% over the course of three minutes. So, yeah, if, if it is there, it's, you know, negligible at best. But mm-hmm. God, yeah, no, I, I, I remember. It. And, you know, I'm if I pull it up, I'm sure my letterbox says something about this, but I was just like writhing in my fucking seat. Like, you yeah. know, I was, like, picking at my nails. I was squeezing the armrests. And funny enough, actually, quick side story. Uh, first time I saw this movie, um, I don't know if you remember anything uh, life-changing that happened to you in the year of 2020, but uh, this funny thing happened at the beginning of March. <laughs> this real this real silly, goofy situation occurred <laughs> at the beginning of March. Um, so Thursday, March... 13th i believe uh was when kind of the whole country shut down at once like disney world closed and the nba suspended the season yeah oh gosh. my office in particular was like okay working from home uh i saw it that night wow. i was like holy shit the world's about to end what do I want to do with my last remaining hours? I want to go to the movies. So <laughs> I went to the Hollywood Light. Rest in peace, Hollywood Light. I miss you dearly. Um, and I sat directly in front of Sean Baker, who is oh, the director of Florida Project and Red Rocket. Red Rocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's one of my favorite directors. And, you know, I didn't say a word to him because, you know, he's sitting down at the movies. He doesn't want to be fucking bothered. Yeah. But... Like because I was sitting directly in front of him the whole time, I was just so hyper aware of just what my arms were doing because they were just you know grabbing the seats and I was digging my fingers into my nails and just running my hands through my hair because I was just so fucking stressed out. But yeah, no, it just it's never rarely is the type of movie that just elicits
2: such such a physical reaction. Yeah, another comparison I have to being John Malkovich is like. In John Malkovich, Craig is trying to control Lottie, um, his wife, and like she's saying she wants to get a sex change um, after going into Malkovich, mm-hmm. and he's kind of just telling her no. It's the same thing with the abortion, like the yeah Autumn yeah. is going in, and they're trying to persuade her to not do it. They even lie to her and tell her that she's not mm-hmm. as far along on as she thought she as she actually was. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. No, she's just, doing. Yeah, they're both those characters you know they're everything everybody's doing everything but listen to them you know what i mean
2: and exactly yeah. not taking I mean, them seriously and you know and even Craig when... literally locks lottie in a cage like, because <laughs> like, she has found her sexual awakening and is going out yeah. and trying to you know feel loved
1: yeah um, and you know i mean the movie was like 2001 so obviously the landscape around being transgender was much different back then. Mm -hmm. So the movie kind of plays it for jokes, but you know, it's the same thing. It's, you know, just being in the situation where there's something you want, something you're pursuing and people just, just aren't even willing to consider it. There's just, you know, it's a matter of controlling other people because there's something within yourself that you fear, whether it's, you know, fear of being alone fear of being unwanted that mm-hmm. craig schwartz has or you know the fucking the fear of god that the women at the pennsylvania planned parenthood have and never rarely so yeah again man
2: you're blowing my mind with these comparisons <laughs> i didn't even think about those yeah man I and mean, there's a lot of interesting comparisons i i was struggling at, i felt like i was going to struggle at first but then i was like okay this isn't too bad
1: yeah i mean the more you think about it you know it's just like, they're two stories, they're two opposite stories told in opposite ways. But, you know, I mean, we're only human and we're, we're, we're just monkeys with cameras out here making movies. So it makes sense that, you know, when both of these movies dive as deep as they do, they're going to find some similarities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, did you have anything else to add to this? Um, oh, man. Well, a uh, question you asked me was what's the uh double feature potential oh yeah Uh, never rarely sometimes that's a huge aspect of the and john malkovich yeah it's just (laughs) would this work as a double feature and going into this like with that question in mind i was like what the fuck like absolutely not (laughs) but you know the more i think about it the more it does kind of make sense and you know the more i think that these movies would be really integral viewing for somebody in high school i mean they're both movies i wish i saw in high school so yeah no i think this would make a fantastic double feature purely because going into it you would kind of have to challenge yourself as to you know what's the similarity here what's the common denominator and then when you kind of realize what it is i think you know
2: you're all the better for it yeah i completely agree i mean i think there would be better like you could pair each of these films with another film oh and it would of course be a better yeah. double feature but that's kind of the genuineness of this podcast is like me and you are always going to interpret the prompt slightly different and so mm-hmm. it's going to lead to these like unexpected double features you're like really like how is that ever going to work and then
1: yeah you, absolutely and you funny. know i mean there, there's something honest in that i mean yeah. just a little while ago when we were talking about your fucking letterbox like you watch Ant Man, the Wasp. Went out to the movies to see Scream. Got home from the movies and watched Infinity War, and then watched in the fucking mood for love. Like it's it's so unheard of. But you know that's how people watch movies. That's how you know just life is. You know you're watching Infinity War at one point, and then the next moment, you know, bam, you're in the middle of a fucking Wong Kar Wai cry fest. <laughs> So oh, yeah, man. no, I I think this absolutely would be a good double feature. If you had to if you had to do a more conventional double
2: feature with being John Malkovich, what would you choose? Probably adaptation because it also has that same Yep, Charlie Kaufman. It's double double Kaufman, also directed by Spike Jones, so you could do them both together. Mm-hmm. And also it does have that like element of like being inside another person, like it's just the writing is so crazy on both of those films. They're so similar, which mm-hmm. would make sense. Um, yeah. And then maybe for never, uh, I always mix up the words. Is it never, rarely, sometimes, always, right? Yes, yeah. it's <laughs> ascending in order of frequency. <laughs> but it also, like, oh man, like I like saying it slow, like never, rarely, sometimes, always. Yeah, like it's, it's, it sounds like there's a comma <laughs> in the middle. Like it yeah. sounds
1: like it's never, rarely. But sometimes, always, which I I don't know. I, yeah, language is fun.
2: I think it could go pretty well with Buffalo 66, maybe, because he's such a controlling Mm -hmm. asshole guy. Yeah. And they're both, you know,
1: very meandering. Um, Yeah. No, Christina Ritchie's character in Buffalo 66, I definitely see a lot of similarities with, you know, just trying to control what little power you do have over your own existence. And, yeah even though you know just kind of being out of your element whether it's in new york city or in fucking vincent gallo's car you know what i mean
2: (laughs) what would you choose for both of them
1: um for being john malkovich um i think it would definitely be the movie i mentioned beforehand uh possessor also from 2020 because you know it's the same basic idea it's just what if you could literally be inside somebody's consciousness and control them Whereas being John Malkovich plays it in this, you know, comedic way. That's typical of, you know, the Charlie Kaufman, Spike Jones, Michelle Gondry kind of camp. Yeah. Um, whereas possessor it's explicitly this gruesome fucking horror movie. Like, I don't think there's a single modicum of levity in that entire movie. <laughs> it is so fucking just in your face, visceral, gruesome. Yeah. Um, But now that I think about it, I also think it would pair well. Um, I feel like I'm talking about wines and cheeses. Um, I think it would pair well with Ruby Sparks, which I think is from 2013. And I don't know if I've talked about that movie with you before or not, but it's uh, it's from 2013. I forget the name of the director, but it's starring uh, Zoe Kazan and Paul Dano, who are now married and I believe have children and it's a rom-com it's you know definitely thoroughly a rom-com about a writer who you know is very sad and very lonely very depressed and he writes this character named ruby as a way of kind of having a character in his writing who cheers him up and then one day she's just inexplicably real but he's still able to write things about her that come true so you know i mean there's like a small joke in there where he writes one line like her breasts were huge and then boom she just has enormous boobs (laughs) so you know it's it's kind of that same situation of just controlling somebody else as a way of controlling the things about yourself that you can't control yeah yeah and uh as far as never rarely sometimes always goes i mean i want to fucking pair it with like you know, fucking airplane or something, you know, completely <laughs> some some bleach. But, um, you think like I saw Ladybird, right? Um, uh, Lady Bird. oh, yeah, Ladybird would be a good one.
2: Um, Ladybird, maybe be Ghost be. World, maybe that might be a stretch. I haven't seen Ghost World. Oh, really? No, it's d- another green one. Maybe eventually we'll do it on another series. We'll talk about that film. Yeah,
1: no, I, I don't think I'm familiar. Um, Hold on, let me... Editor's note, let me pause and rack my brain for a minute because I had an <laughs> yeah. answer to this and I completely forgot. Um, fuck, what was it? When we look at my shelf, I probably own
2: it. Blue Velvet would be nice. <laughs>
1: Blue Velvet, <laughs> hell yeah. Um,
2: oh, I got it.
1: I got, okay, so just pretend we kept talking. Yep. Um, eighth grade. Um, Oh, yeah, that's a
2: perfect choice.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Especially because, you know, I think, um, you know, I think it's kind of the inverse of Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, where Eighth Grade is, you know, pretty consistently comedic and has these few moments of absolute, like, terror. Whereas Never Rarely, Sometimes Always is, you know, pretty much explicitly absolute terror, but with, like, these few brief moments of levity. Um, specifically that one point when I think they're just like eating at a bakery and she's just like, oh yeah, all that grease in your food. Good for the soul. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's the first and only time she cracks a joke. I think it's probably the first, it's the only thing we see her do that's close to smiling. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, it's kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like an inverse way to portray, you know, very, very similar situations and, you know. Obviously, there's a lot more to women's issues than what two fucking white guys can say about them. But I think these two uh, these two movies would definitely be good ways to tackle, you know, just per- kind of universal issues of just you know self determination and self worth, and you know all those adjectives that are uh, preceded by self and then a hyphen.
2: Really well put
1: thanks it didn't feel like
2: it <laughs> no i think it was <laughs> cool well i think we can call this a wrap on this first very first episode of um, fox den film club
1: yeah fox um, den film club thanks for uh
2: thanks for borrowing in with us at the <laughs> fox den film club am i right hell yeah um We don't really know what our next topic will be. Um, Although I am very excited to pick one because this was really fun. I
1: genuinely had a lot of fun thinking of a prompt and then thinking of a movie and then watching those movies because, you know, once you have an answer in mind, actually watching the movie, you get a whole different experience out of it For because, you know, you're just looking at it through that different lens.
2: Yeah, so... We'll get a topic eventually, and then I'm hoping that these come out weekly. So if you do listen to this, we're probably going to pre-record ahead. Um, yeah, that, so, that would be good. That would, yeah. That would work. <laughs> yeah. So if, we, if you're listening to this, the next one would come out a week from whenever we put this out.
1: Yeah. Yeah oh yeah that makes sense yeah so i don't know when i'll see you in my timeline again but in the public's eye i'll see you in a week yeah that's not that far (laughs) away it's seven sleeps you can do it
2: sweet cool all right all right
1: right. thanks for listening everybody this has been the fox den film club i'm jake he's mitchell we love you good good night seattle